fellow nerds and nerdy worlds, my name's AJ and welcome to Adventure is Anonymous, the home of improvised fantasy fuck-nuggetry. If it's your first time here, then I should probably explain that this is a real play Dungeons & Dragons podcast, chronicling the adventures of six friends as they set out to drink cocktails and escape the mundanity of lockdown life. Along the way, they've learned things about themselves, their drinks cabinets, and just how many innuendos you can grammatically fistfuck into a sentence. And, for our regular listeners, thanks so much for bearing with us as we took a little sabbatical over the festive period to allow us to focus on the important things in life, like eagerly awaiting the arrival of a morbidly obese elderly Laplandic man dressed all in red. So, if you haven't already, why not pull up a chair, grab yourself a flagon of cheap ale, stoke the hearth, sit back and get ready for this week's adventures. Please do enjoy. So, quick recap on where we got to last week. I wrote us, cobbled together a small summary. So, last we left off with our intrepid adventurers, they had just left the mountain dwarven city of Uthodern and made their way out to the edge of the blustery slopes, taking a momentary stop to help rescue a stricken goat on the perilous rope bridge. The gang bewildered their glassblade companions by dick-arsing about, Tatty in particular nearly plummeting to his death in a bodged rescue attempt. Having rescued the unfortunate animal and set it free, they set off again, but not before Maud picked a fight with Tavistock, the leader of the Dwarven Patrol. Tragedy struck once again as Belsiar accidentally shoved the dwarf to his presumed death whilst having a snowball fight on the cliff edge, using magic to charm his way out. Blaming his mistake on, a nef- on the nefarious powers of an unseen evil wizard. Making their way to the base of the mountain, on the way to Palebank Village, the party paused once again as Lady found a set of charred bodies in a tree line and brought back an arrow that was embedded in one of them. Tati instantly identifying this as having all the hallmarks of being an arrow from the gnome army, more importantly, from his former unit. This sent him into an instant panic attack, and with that, Belsiar uttered the immortal words, whoever killed Japheth could still be after us. <laughs> and that is where we will pick up today's episode. I uh, I think I think Belsiar last week was my favourite, maybe one of my favourite episodes ever, just for... <laughs> For the trickery. And- yeah, his deception about the Dark Wizard was, I, I think it's, I, I don't know if it's if, if it was better than, or if it was just like, it went on longer than the, the, the 37-year-old businessman. Um, it was strong. Yeah. I like the way nobody went back to make sure JPEF was okay. It's just, you know, it was more of, more of a cliff edge than I think it was. Yeah. It sounded like a gentle slope. I'm like, no, he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he made a kind of, Ah. Yeah, you don't come ah. back from that, do you? Yeah. <laughs> We've seen movies. That's like a that's a, that's a that's a Disney villain ball. That's a flight. <laughs> that's a team, that, that's a I guess Team Rocket is blasting off again. While he'll either be dead or completely fine. Yeah. You might be back next. No, Schrodinger's dwarf. Yeah. in all states simultaneously. Uh, he's going to join the group of ever-growing bad guys who are just sitting on the touchlines. A motley crew of people you've wronged. The, uh, the Sinister Six. Well, more like the Sinister Six, do you know new guys? You... Well, I mean, it's going to be 59 children and a dwarf, isn't it? <laughs> 59 children and a dwarf? That sounds like a Steve Gutenberg film. <laughs> sounds amazing. Predicting, um... our, predicting our future nemesis. <laughs> Got picking babies. 
Funny, funny. Maud, how you doing? Good, thank you. <laughs> Have you got everything you need? Yeah. Yes. Maud reckons she's going to set an XP high score today. She's on. She's on a mission to set new heights of XP. So I'm I'm less than a thousand away from leveling up. Cool. This is this is my time to shine. Show off. Yeah. I feel like oh. I'm less than a thousand. I'm nearly less than a thousand. I'm four hundred. Hanash is five thousand points off leveling up. Oh, I'm 400 away. I'll tell you this, Aristobulus, I don't think, has been updating his XP for a long time. <laughs> Either that or... Yeah, we might need an intervention. Yeah. We can have an intervention. Or, you know, he can just be in primary school whilst everyone else is getting their PhD. Marvellous. Right, so kicking off, you guys were on the side of uh, the roadway through, um, through, 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 through the kind of Arctic tundra as you made your way to uh, Palebank Village. Uh, it would be really helpful if I hadn't closed the map that I had open too. That would have been super fucking useful. Um, yeah, so stopping off on the side of uh, the road, Lady had charged off into the tree line looking for animals and had come across uh, the, the burnt-out, crispy remains of two bodies peppered with arrows. Maud had gone to go and catch up with Lady... Barbara, that's not dead namer, and um, had a bit of a tete Well, they could do that. Tavistock had come into the tree line, had a word, and they'd all come shuffling back out. So, Tati, you are the proud owner of a arrow from uh, the uh, the gnome rangers. Um, yeah, I guess I'm. I guess I'm just holding on to the arrow and fully like hyperventilating, just like covered in like cold sweat, just just full-on panic attacking. Is there, like, snow on the ground by the side of the road? It's all snow. You're in the crystal and tundra, which is basically having come out of the uh, Flocker Alps, you've come down onto the the tundra at the bottom as you make your way around the edge of the mountainside on the, the foot of the slopes, if you will. Um, and you're on a... I mean, to say it's a well-worn, it's not like the M25, but it's clearly a travelled path, as much as you can see the um, snow blows across it and covers it up to degree, you can see it's still a worn path. The trees have been hacked down in the way. If there's if there's any, I don't want to say undisturbed, but any kind of, like, soft snow around me, I'm just going to, like, grab, a, grab a, a little handful of it and just, like, put it on my face where I'm where I'm sweating and just, like panicking really bad. I'd like to go over to Tati and I'd like to be, okay, can I have some drugs too, please? I, I, I think he's having like an acid I like one as well. <laughs> Bro, you high? <laughs> you hold that on me? Uh, As you have a little moment, Tavistock walks up to you and is like, what's the matter with you? Pull yourself together, you wee bastard. As he picks up the tiny arrow in his meaty sausage-like fingers and just twirls it around. Uh, I I just ignore uh, Tavistock and I I turn back to uh, Honash and I just say, like, it's like I've gone, like, not dead behind the eyes, but it's it's like my voice is just completely deadpan and I just say... You know, if I was holding, I would never hold out. As, as pair of you are dick-assing around in the snow, Tati having himself a serious panic attack, Hanash taking the piss out of him, Tavistock walking up to the pair of you, and... It's back. Yeah, it's 100% back. I can hear Zeus, it. Zeus has opened the door. <laughs> oh, no, don't worry about it. 
This like, is hey, all. I'm trying to watch the Kardashians in here. This is all 24, <laughs> this is all 24 karat gold content. Dude, you son of a bitch. That's all right. Zeus can get a credit. Uh, yeah. There as, we go. <laughs> as, as Tavistock takes the piss out of you for having a panic attack and tells you to pull your little tiny gnome socks up, what are you doing? Um, I, um, I just, I ignore Tavistock, um, and I, um, I mean, I guess I've learned all I can from the arrow and that I recognize it. I feel like, I think usually I would just try and take it back from him, but, uh, at this point I'm just so, like, dejected that I don't even know what the fuck's happening anymore. Aww. Um, is anyone gonna... Do anything to look after Tatty, or you all want to press on? I'm going to pick Tatty up. I'm going to put him on Lady, and I'm going to slap Lady Dots. Nice. Maybe an animal handling check. Oh no! Ah, nineteen. Nineteen. Lady, looking up, sees the little gnome on top of her. Sees it as playtime and goes skittering off into the snow, weaving and dodging, dodging, dodging underneath low boughs of pine trees, flicking up all kinds of fine powder and eventually collapses into a snowdrift as her back gets tired. The pair of you two, Tati and Lady, vanishing into a deep pile of uh, powdery snow. Was this... Which which direction did she take her Onwards. Onwards. Oh, okay. Like, along the, along the path? Yeah, along the side of the road, just off the edge, where the pile of snow is uh, against the edge of a slope of rock where the powdery snow has drifted in the wind and made a deep set bank of snow. She dumps you and herself into it and you vanish making snow wolves. Uh, not what I intended but I'm just I've, <laughs> I've just like buried myself in the snow and I'm just think I'm just like mouthing to myself like this is better <laughs> this is fine I like this this is this is preferable um, as you're having a little mini panic attack, you see a big burly hand come reaching out uh, with tattoos and runes all over it and the occasional cheap ring that looks like it came out of a cracker. As you look up, you see the hand of Mikanel, one of the glass blades, who hoiks you up out of the snow and is like, This is no time to be fucking about in the snow. You'll freeze to death, you wee bastard. Pull your socks up. Stop crying as he snaps off one of your tears as it turned into an icicle and says, we need to move. Palebank Village is still a way ahead of us, and I don't want to die in the cold. I just I just nod, that's all I've got. He just hoiks you up, grabbing you by your shirt, he lifts you fully up and puts you back on your feet. Although I do have the I do have the presence of mind to say, uh, don't try that with Barbara. She will she will full on bite your face off. He looks down at his scarred paw of a hand, looks over at Barbara, looks back at his scarred paw of a hand and thinks better of it as he walks back to the path where the rest of the glass blades are forming up with their donkey in tow. And you see Maud and Aristobulus and Belsia and the rest of them all um, in formation. And with that, the party sets off back up the tree line, heading across the road as you head in some sort of informal marching order all the way across the tundra. Uh, is there anything you particularly want to do as you march? Oh, wonder. Um, what time of day is it? Oh, there's a bloody question. Uh, we're heading into early evening now. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess we will probably need to take a. We'll probably need to like set up camp for the night before we get to Palebank Village. Uh, yes, you're going to need to set up camp for the night. So you've noticed along the way that whilst um, Maud was pissing about in the tree line with Lady, all of you have taken a short rest and broken your fast. Uh, it's assumed, and and 
uh, as you head further along the, the the Arctic Road, occasionally you see flotsam and jetsam from various bits of broken cart, etc., left on the side of the road, and the uh, the odd sack of goods turned over. As Are they not uh, the eels from the Little Mermaid. You want what? Are they not the eels from the Little Mermaid? What flotsam and jetsam? Yeah. They, they they may be. You can have ten XP for making Disney references in the middle of a D&D. Um, I've not been happy since I was 11. You've not been happy since you were 11? Well, that's the name of the episode, if ever there was one. Um, if, um, if I manage, well, if we manage to get a short rest in, um, I'll I'll say that I attuned to my new dagger as well. Absolutely, yes. We'll say that as a retcon piece. Um, so as you travel on, Travelling across the um, tiring and, and windswept tundra, um, with storms coming and going, occasionally the sun coming out from behind a cloud, but mostly you're being battered by arctic winds, the snow piling up on your shoulders and on the front of your um, winter coats. As occasionally you look back and you see the donkey, the pack mule that's carrying all of the goods is starting to slow, and just as the sun peaks over the towards the edge of the horizon uh, you see um, you see dear god what the fuck's his name now um, mental freeze you see Tavistock even um, saying basically calling time as you approach a coppice of trees which are pines and absolutely covered in powdery snow you see Tavistock pull the group of dwarfs off to one side and, and make the international sign for making camp as you see, the, the well-worn routine of uh, dwarfs who are used to digging into the snow and, and forming a um, defensible position. I'd like to try and make an igloo, please. Right. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, did not see that coming, but has... Probably <laughs> ever not. Okay, how? what what methodology are you going to use to make this igloo? Well, Honash isn't very skilled at making igloos, so he's just going to try and... It, it's gonna. It, it, is there any sticks or anything around? Or like any pieces? Of wood? Well, there's boughs of trees, aren't there? There's pine trees left, right, and centre. I'm, I'm gonna make like a like a template for like a brick, and then I'm gonna like oh. the snow. I think that's kind of easy made, but let's not worry about that. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna make the the framework using the <laughs> using the using the twigs and, and tree, and then he's gonna he's gonna fill it. With snow. Well, I'm gonna make a block at a time, so I'm gonna make like a square. And I'm gonna like pack it down. And then That's like, fucking brilliant. And then that made me okay. go. All right. Here's how we're gonna do this. First of all, you're gonna take one of your tools and you're gonna make me a nature check as you try and cut down enough wood out of the local pine coppice next to you. Sure. Uh, Twelve. Twelve. So, soaring away with your, your that you're bringing down. As you grab a branch low down the pine tree, you start sawing away with your hand knife that you've got your pocket knife. It's a long job, but you've got thick arms as you're like... <laughs> the powdery snow falling out of the top branches as you hear a... <laughs> as the branch breaks off in your hand. Um, you see a family of chipmunks come skittering out the top of the tree as you've disturbed their, their natural habitat. As you hear the... <laughs> With a little like chipmunks as they go running around, like they go charging off into the middle of the dwarf encampment. As you see Barbara just running around chasing these chipmunks. I shout to Belsia, like Belsia, your friends are back. I'm overwhelmed. Are we in, are we in hell? <laughs> <laughs> Where they went? Look, it's the otters. 
that chipmunks are completely different. What? <laughs> what? Stop killing animals, Belsia. <laughs> uh, you, hear the, you hear the squeaking noise of the chipmunks as they roar around the camp. The dwarfs in disarray as Ra- Lady runs around knocking over tent poles and fucking about, trying to catch these um, chipmunks. You see the odd dwarf throw a hand, hand hammer at, uh, as opposed to a foot hammer. You see them throwing the occasional hammer at the chipmunks, trying to subdue them. Um, as we pan back to Belsiar, who is pulling pine cones off the branch, trying to make himself a stick out of the fresh sapling or yeah. sap wood that he's just snapped off. Right. Assuming you've now made your template, what are you doing with it? Uh, I'm going to make bricks. I'm going to, like, uh, on the snow, and I'm going to make, like, a, a square of bricks. I don't really think this through. I guess it's going to be more of a um, pyramid uh, igloo than, like, your traditional one. Mm. I'm going to try and, like, just make, my, make a brick, put it down, make a brick, put it down, and then I'm probably, I'm probably going to get to five bricks and give up, I think. Okay. And then I'm just going to, like, throw the bricks at people. Okay. Mm-hmm. They get They get, they get a brick each. Didn't Hanash already build a ship from Absolutely, a really yeah. terrible ship. Hey! That's going to hey. give him some extra experience in uh, construction. Carpent, oh. Carpentry. Yeah. Um... Make me an athletics check as you attempt to hew chunks of ice and snow into a brick. 21. Bollock. As you go to town, making brick after brick using your template, stacking them on top of each other, as you slowly start tessellating them, making them into a low ring as you go round and round and round and round, slowly coming in in a kind of conical um, shape as you start reaching the middle. Make me a survival check. Oh, no. It's a natural one. A natural one. As you go in and in and in, all around, putting more and more blocks in, as you get to the top block, you put it in, lean back on your haunches, looking up as you hear the... as the ice and snow starts... as as two tonne of ice and snow collapses on top of you, (laughs) pinned underneath sheer blocks of snow and ice. Everyone looks over (laughs) and just sees a small hillock of snow and ice and the occasional screams from underneath it. I wee myself. As Tavistock looks over while standing next to Maud, he's like, some motherfucker's always trying to ice skate uphill. Seriously, don't understand what the fuck that man's doing. It's a perfectly good tent over here. <laughs> I do a quick count of Tati, um, Maud, Aristobulus, and then I can't quite remember if we came with anyone else. Barbara? <laughs> um, Barbara, Yo, yes, there we go. That's it. Barbara, being somewhat concerned, runs over to the Palace Snow and starts pouring away at it. You know, years of rescuing people from desperate situations. She starts trying to pour her way into the the collapsed structure that Hanash has pinned himself under. Uh, so at this point, Tati is still like he's in he's in in the midst of a, a, a long term freakout. So he's just like. He's literally just like patrolling around the camp, like around the dwarf camp and like where these guys are, just like laser focused on trying to see anything that's like around them. Make me a perception check. 13. 13. As you wander around, the sun having set over the horizon now, the, the darkness setting in, you patrol around, your heightened senses from being a ranger kicking in. You can barely even hear your footfall as you slowly walk in the softest parts of the snow leaving almost tra- no trace. As you look over and see a sudden movement from the corner of your eye, you see a vole 
come up out of the ground, out of a tunnel, and start sprinting across the freshly powdered snow as something swoops down from the sky, a kestrel of some sort, picking the vole up in its talons and swooping off back up into its um, mountaintop nest high into the sky. I, I just say something uh, vaguely philosophical, but, but literally meaningless, like someone's end is another person's beginning. You mean like a uh, like a haiku, like of the, yeah. Uh, it's 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 it's, it's like yeah, it's like Tati's version of like tears in rain. Um, Maud, as you are sitting by the fire, which has been made by the dwarfs in the center of the camp, you're warming your talons. As Barbara walks up to you, shunts you, and starts trying to make communicate with you. Um, so I still speak wolf, don't I? Mm. Uh, I'll crouch down to Barbara's level and I'll ask her in wolf what's what's going on. Yeah, big man's turned himself in a green mist. Fucking pancake himself. <laughs> Fucking pancake himself. So uh, I I would like to go, Lassie, show me show me where the boy down the well is. I find that highly disrespectful just because I'm a fucking canine. Fuck me, she's really hard to, to get on with, isn't she? Seriously, don't fucking pigeonhole me with your fucking media constructs. Fucking Lassie, toss you down the well, you fucking blue freak. Right. Not she, sorry uh, about kicking her before. Not sorry. <laughs> yeah, watch it or your dick nose will freeze and snap off. Right, are you going to come and help this green wanker anyway? I can't pick up these blocks of snow. I've got no thumbs. I'll follow her wherever she goes. Oh, you bring a tear to my eye. As she, she walks off with you in toes, you see a small mound of snow and ice beneath and below a, a set of uh, pine trees as you can hear muffled screams coming out of the snow. I'd like to just take a moment just to savour the screams. Um, you know. And then when they start... Panning back to Hanash, who's underneath the snow, you are trapped in a tiny little bubble of air as you pound and pound and pound at the top as everything is dark inside and rapidly freezing. Oh man, if I wasn't mad again, I'd probably get my trying to get my blunderbuss out and shoot me, me a hole, but since I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to Maud puts her ear to the block. <laughs> 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 Somehow Hanash just gets covered in more snow and suffocates himself. Two people there. I'd like to take my tail and it's a long, musty tail with like bunny soft fur at the end of it. And I'd like to smack away the, the snow and ice. Um Okay. I mean, your tail is not the answer to all of your problems. I know as much as you'd like it to be. But if or, you would like Or I can summon all the animals in the nearby vicinity. So oh my god. Yeah. Yes. What, is that what you want to do? What's the plan better, my lord? Fuck. Make me an animal handling check, Druid. Ba, ba, ba. Oh, this is like a Disney movie with more swearing. <laughs> animal handling. Come on, clicky click. Uh. Five. So as you go to reach out a claw on your tail, you think better of it and you decide to work smart, not hard. As you put out your telepathic beacon to the animals of the forest, as you look around and at first you see nothing, you hear nothing, and then the small pitter-patter of feet as a stoat comes running along the top of the snow. Oh. And then a fox, and then a weasel, and then several rabbits 
all of which seem to be lulled into a false sense of peace as they all start arriving at the edge and burrowing into the snow. Hanash, from inside your trapped uh, little enclosure, you can hear the snickering and clawing from the top as all the animals start burrowing. And now, suddenly, mice start running from all directions. Arctic mice start, because that's a thing, start running from all directions and start burrowing. As you see. Oh. And then, um, just as everything is starting to quieten down, you see a goat, another Carpathian goat, come skittering in and just start scooping snow up with its horns and flinging it over the side. As you see Tavistock look over in confusion as he turns around to Mikanel and says, Jesus Christ, breakfast is going to be good. <laughs> as the animal dig and dig and dig and dig, no thought of any kind of fear of each other or confusion as to what's going on. As you see Maud using her telepathic powers to control the minds of all the animals, as suddenly Hanash, I would say light, but it's dark, moonlight bursts through the um, your, your ice prison as suddenly a rush of air bursts in and a flurry of animals all dive down and you're surrounded by stoats and weasels and foxes and a goat. I, I, I go, what the fuck? And then I like, start like, hitting them because I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I feel like they're about to eat me. I would like to intervene and smack him very hard in the head with my tackle. Uh, uh, hang on. Um... I'm going to say, Hanash, make me an unarmed strike against a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> this is the content people want. You are going to fight, my friends. Dearly. <laughs> I got a 21. I'm assuming that gets past its armor class. 21. As you look down, angry with your rage, you pummel a mouse into the ground as it just goes and explodes. Maud, you hear a little voice going, March! <laughs> I would like to... I would like to grab him by the throat and hold him up with all of my holy rage. Are you allowing her to do that or are you opposing her with that? You better believe I'm opposing Right. You just so, killed your tiny, mousy hero. I was terrified of not He had, a, he, he had a wife and 29 every, babies. <laughs> every animal in the fucking forest was descending on him looking like it was going to eat him. <laughs> Herbivores, carnivores, everything. I would like to ask, how tall is Hanash? Oh, God, nearly six foot eight. He's pretty big. How big is this tiny little Arctic mouse? Well, he's spread over a wide area now. (laughs) (laughs) His surface area has gone from, like, three-dimensional to one-dimensional, but, you know, (laughs) I think it's more gas now. Yeah. Uh, The mouse is now a flat earther, for sure. He's a... Uh, so, oh, hang on, hang on. So, Hanash, Maud, can you both make me opposing strength checks, please? And as you're doing that, uh, we're going to pan back to the carcass of the mouse squished into the um, floor as all the other animals are in rapture, staring up at the two uh, humanoids fighting. As you see a little fox, look around guiltily, left to right, see if anyone's noticing, and then starts licking away at the mouse's corpse. 20. 11. Jesus. Maud, in all of her fury, 
tries to wrench you out of the igloo, you put up a fight and start holding on like a cat or trying to prevent it being picked up out of a door. I don't know why that's a thing, but yeah, putting all your arms out and blocking yourself against it's the igloo, you suddenly feel the tight wrap at the coil of Maud's tail around your throat as you start getting throttled. As she physically launches you out of the igloo, you go face down into a pile of snow. I, uh, to say face, I'm like, ah, oh, thanks for getting me out of there, darling. You gonna die, son. <laughs> you gonna die. I would like to bend down very gently, grab him by the face, and take him over to see the other mouse. That's there, Mrs. Mouse. And I'd like him to explain what he's done to her husband. Uh, can I oppose this again, or is it? <laughs> or am I a little <laughs> bit for ten seconds? I mean, you can oppose it if you want. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm going to pose it again. All right, make me another opposing strength check. Jesus Christ. This is like WWF. 21. Oh, what does the B mean? Natural 20. Oh, okay, so it's 20 plus minus 2 because my, my thing is... No, but you got a natural 20. Yeah, I was going to okay. say. So, yeah. Damn it! <laughs> so, so Hanash digs his heels in as Maud literally Ooh. puts all of her fucking weight and starts dragging him. You can see his heels kind of moving along the snow. Suddenly behind you, you feel a weird nose. You look around, you see all the woodland animals pushing you from behind. <laughs> <laughs> You suddenly start moving. They're singing a fucking song at the same time. Yeah. Hi ho, hi. Tripped over a log, Anash, you find yourself on the powdered snow, face to face with a little mouse that's standing in front of you with a little forlorn look on his face. Little tear stained mouse. I I dropped that on it. (laughs) The mouse snickering back looks over at Maud and is like, Oh, Miss Marge. Fuck me. She was many things, incontinent and half-blind, but God did we bang like mice. We had 25 children. 25 children without a mum now. I've got 312 grandchildren. I can't to explain that Marge is uh, smooshed. I don't feel like you're listening to me. I feel so sad. Oh, you used to talk to Maud because I don't understand the do I? The little, the, the little mouse looks up at Hanash, looks over at Maud and is like, ask him if he's ever loved anyone. Um... I would like to take... Is Hanoi sitting or standing at this point? He's face down in the snow about that far away oh, from okay. him. All right. Then I'd like to put my foot on the back of his head and I'd like to take the little mouse a little bit gently bring it closer and I'd like to whisper in his ear and say, the mouse asked if you've ever loved anybody because you've just squished... Is it her husband or...? His wife. His wife. His You've squished his wife to death. While this is happening, I'd like to, like, sneakily plan a magic bean. Trust <laughs> <laughs> <Was> me. <laughs> as all, all of the dwarfs and the glass blades are looking over in confusion as the animals of Farthing Wood have all shrouded around... Um, all except the fox that's currently snuffling the carcass of Marge, as Hanash appears to be nodding and listening whilst removing a magic bean out of the pouch on his hip and planting it in the ground. So, what, what do we get? Okay, it's a D hundred, isn't it? Another D hundred again, Baba. Um, oh, there's one here. I think there is one. Yeah, it will. It should read out what it is. Seventy-six, which is a fruit tree grows. It has D ten. Plus 20 fruit, 1d8 of which acts as randomly determined magic potions, while one acts as an ingested poison of the gem's choice. The tree vanishes after one hour, pig fruit remains, retain, retaining any magic for 30 days. 
So everyone looks over whilst Maud is currently fucking giving the greenskin the bollocking of his life. As suddenly, from between the legs of the greenskin, a giant sapling grows out of the ground, small at first with green shoots bursting forth as suddenly the ground crake quakes and splits as a giant trunk grows up with branches reaching out and suddenly, as if fertile for no reason, the tree starts dangling low-hanging fruit of all kinds of wonderful natures, fruits which should not be seen on this side of the continent. Not many fruits growing in an Arctic tundra, to be fair, but you see, um, you see lush apples growing on the low boughs of this tree, juicy and red. And the occasional little glass sphere, bauble, hanging off for no Christmas. reason. I finally understand what the tree of life is all about. Is <laughs> um, this like, a, is this got between me and Mort? Or is this... Between your legs. Between my legs. Interesting. Right. Your legs are now akimbo round the trunk of a, of a giant apple tree. Can, can, I, can, I, can I stand up and be like, well, it's it's fruit picking time. Let's just try and move us on from this. All of the animals look over and start looking like they go from looking marginally concerned about what's going on to suddenly a flurry of movement as all of the animals burst onto the tree and you see them clambering over the fruit as Martin the mouse Aww. is like, I don't really feel like anyone's really taken me seriously. Oh, These animals better not be eating my fucking fruit. <laughs> Grief is a process, and fruit is not one of the stages. Oh, I am. Um, I like to pick one of the fruits and like throw it down to the mouse, just like a, a like. Oh. Here you go, buddy. Oh, <laughs> Make me a performance check. Yeah. Checking up a baseball. Like. <laughs> Wipes out the other half of the family. Uh, 15. 15. Throwing it at the mouse. He looks up as the giant boulder of a fucking apple comes towards him as he tucks and rolls as it splats in the snow next to him. He's like, fuck me, that guy is dangerous. I mean, thanks, I suppose, as he takes a little nibble of the apple. At this, Tavistock walks up to the lot of you, lays a hand on Tatty's shoulder, who's been watching all of this, and is like... Do you guys know anything about staying subtle? Because quite frankly, if there was anyone out there looking for us, this would be one hell of a fucking sign for them. Uh, yeah, Tatty and Tatty, in that kind of commotion, has uh, signaled Barbara over to to help him do a to help him keep watch. Basically, just they're both just going around going around the camp and like meeting each other at, at halfway um, and uh, keeping an eye on what's out there, see if anything's been attracted by the noise. Okay. As you wander around, the rest of the dwarfs usher you in. After the dwarfs look at the apples suspiciously, they only really understand fried meats and complex mm. carbohydrates. As one of the apples, t- one of the apples, one of the dwarfs takes a mouthful of apple and spits it out, and is like, "No, not for me." And um, you see the potions on the tree—a potion of healing. There's five potions of healing if you want to divvy those up between yourself. Nice. As um, all the animals go skittering away, as the animals go back into the tree line, you hear a shuffling and a screaming. As clearly one of the animals of the night has discovered that there's a smorgasbord of small fairy animals. Other animals. <laughs> Other animals. They stabilise the food chain. Essentially, yeah. Just, just broken like Darwinism. Halfway, as as you're all ushered back into the camp, you see that the dwarfs have erected you a couple of tents, and they bring you towards um, they bring you towards a fire where they brought various 
meats as part of their um, provisions and are cooking them, slow roasting them as they offer you up a wholesome meal. As Tati does rings around the perimeter, make me a perception check. Fifteen. Fifteen. You have your eyes on stalks as occasionally you lap Barbara as you nod to each other and carry on walking around. You can still see there's not snow settling. You can still see your footsteps around the perimeter as you walk around. At one point, you stop as you hear a strange noise in the air and out of nowhere, an eagle hits the ground in front of you, its belly distended, clearly full of voles, mice. It's clearly eaten far too much. And it can no longer fly as you see the eagle trying to take off and get critical mass, but its stomach is too full as it just flails around in the snow next to you. Love it. Uh, I'm just like, just like without even thinking, I'll just like bend down, stab it in the neck, pick it up. Monsters! What is wrong with you? It can't even fucking fly. It's literally just like plummeted out of the air. It must be almost dead. You um, are. It's, it's full. Make me a knife attack, a dagger attack, whatever you want to use. Okay. Just use your teeth. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Mash it to death with your face. Just do that. Yeah. That might have added one to that by accident. Just take one off. Ooh. Fucking hell, it's still a natural 20. <laughs> natural 20. Picking up the bird, you see it try and fly away, its belly distended, full of mice and voles and all sorts. As it looks up at you, its eyes going wide as you take your knife and just skewer it. As it goes limp in your arms, you see you've got a foie gras eagle. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pick it up and take it over to the fire where the dwarves are and just drop it on the ground and say dinner's dinner's served oh, it's gonna be delicious it's gonna be like one of those ducking and geese in the box yeah like, you know that you eat at christmas yeah like a turducken <laughs> uh, a box yeah and then, like i'm just gonna drop it down and then walk back to where i was and start doing laps again mick looks over he's like i don't think you understand what dinner's served means that would be when it's fucking cooked what you mean is you brought me some prime ingredients as he lifts it up and starts plucking eagle feathers as he throws a pile of eagle feathers onto the ground, takes a stick, rams it through the eagle uh, and sticks it across the fire as you smell the greasy, oily smell of an eagle slowly cooking over fire. <laughs> More than a bald-headed eagle now, it is a thoroughly bald eagle. Seriously, we're going to be in trouble with the um, RSPCB or whatever it is they have in other countries. Not many animals are harmed in the making of this, but apparently we've just killed off an entire pantheon of small animals. Um, as you spend the restful part of the evening snacking on various greasy meats, complex carbohydrates, leaving a stack of bones next to the fire, all of you are ushered back to your varying tents, which are not exactly hotel quality, but are certainly comfortable considering you're in the middle of the fucking wilderness. Um, as the dwarfs take it in turns to, to stay on um, to stay on guard, as Tatty Tavistock, whatever you are up to, you suddenly jump as Tavistock sticks his head through the flap of your tent, which is not a euphemism, and comes in to come and see you. I'm just—I was literally just like sat up, like staring dead ahead of me, just like twisting, twisting your my dagger in my hand or something. Um, twisting your what in your hand? My 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 dagger. Oh right, my sharp yeah. my sharp shiny dagger. As, as Tavistock walks in, Lady 
lady lifts her head up and looks over at him but judges that he's probably friendly and puts her head back down as you're playing with your dagger as Tavistock walks in and, and says I'm not disturbing you am I I just shake my head I, like, I, I shake my head and just like gesture to like the ground where I'm sat down just he down. looks over he looks over at the roll out fur mat that you've been provided with and is like you could sleep on the bed you know I'm not tired I see aren't you just a fucking ornery creature listen what's this with your arrow um it's uh brought back some some memories for me what? Um, I know a problem when I see one trust me my past is shaded full of misery and hatred I'm divorced but seriously I can see a problem brewing when I see one and you you are full of problems I've been a I've been a problem for years since since all of this shit happened so uh, the fact that I've made it this far um, is mostly down to luck and I don't I don't say anything but I just like look over at Barbara when I say that oh. Jesus Christ old man what do you want a fucking hug as he reaches behind him and brings out a random brown bottle, cracks off the lid and takes a swig of earthy-looking fluid and hands it to you. Cheers. Uh, take it and give it a swig. It's pretty fucking... It's it's somewhere between engine oil and porter. It's, that's, uh, my, that's my sweet spot. That's your sweet spot. It's a brown, viscous fluid that you feel warming the cockles of your heart. I, um, I, I just pass it back to him. So it's pretty good. Aye, I make it myself. Fermented beets. Not it's bad. A, Not bad for those beets. No, no, it's a family recipe. Is it beets? Beets. Um, I say, um, well, you know, when we get back to um, when we get back to Uthodern, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to tell me that recipe. I'm a big fan of well, big fan of homebrew. Well, quite frankly, I'd like us to get back to fucking Uthodern. So, are you gonna tell me what's going on with your fucking gnome arrow? We getting stalked. Oh. I've just seen two men fucking crispy fried like dumplings. That's not what dumplings are at all. Crispy fried like nuggets with arrows sticking out of them. And that crispy fried not... like a steak. <laughs> Deep fried like spaghetti. <laughs> and just... You guys got to do something about your nutrition. Like, wow. Just the cheap ones I take out my hip flask and the one that the one that I got from Ren, and I just like take a big swig of it and like look at the um, like all the slight like, scratch marks and like scorch marks that I put against it, and I just like just, like breathe breathe out really loudly like a really really big sigh, and I just say fuck it yeah, um, I recognize the arrow because it it's the same ones that we used to make. Back in back when I was in the in the army, um, mm. the unit that I was a part of used to make arrows like those, specifically arrows like those. Um, and th- the fact that they're out there means they're either they're either hunting us or they're just wandering around these plains, killing, deep frying everyone they can find. Well, and. I don't want this to turn into a therapy session, but quite frankly, you've picked some weird friends. Why are they wandering around murdering innocent people? They're not good people, and they're um, they're they're led by someone even worse. How did you fall in with these people? You don't seem like a bad type. 
and joined the army. He was he was my um, he was my commanding officer, whatever you want to call it. Aye. The army does tend to attract bad types from time to time. But usually they're weeded out or die on the battlefield with a knife in their back. Yeah, that's, that's how I wanted it to go. Well, I don't think I, I don't think I, I don't think I had much luck. Well, if this fuckwit's out there, there's every fucking chance he's behind what's gone on in Palebank Village. Because quite frankly, from what I'm hearing, Palebank Village is in no state at all. I'll get yeah. the patrols, keep their eyes on a bead, make sure there's nothing untoward going on, but any information you could give us about these individuals would be much appreciated. I don't want to walk into a trap. I think if it's a trap, we're, we're already in it. Why do, you think mm. I've been, why do you think I've been walking around the camp so much tonight? If 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 they're out there, he's out there, um, and they and they want to and they want to attack us. They want to kill us, and they want to if they want to take us in alive. You know, they, they're gonna they're gonna do it. They have the training for it. They're just they're they're just better trained than than most soldiers. Oh great! Well, looking at your ragtag group of mong chops that you've got knocking around, we're in trouble. The glass blades I can obviously speak for, but. That strange, greasy man in a fucking star-spangled robe. I don't think he's going to put up much of a fight. Be surprised. He's good in a pinch. Aye. I don't want to watch him my back, though. Jesus Christ, and that fucking Dragonborn character. Don't trust him too much. You'll you'll be glad he's around when he when he shoves an ice knife in the guy next to you. Probably <laughs> not directly next to you. I've not described the effect of the spell Ice Knife. I don't feel like I need to do that at this point. He graphically describes it. And I like a drawing of like an explosion and like Ice Knife coming out, blood spurting out of everyone. Looks over you, he's like, well, great, I'll sleep better tonight knowing that. Jesus Christ. Raise a drink for JPeth as he lifts up his brown thing, swigs back a mouthful of, of foul brown fluid and says... Gone, but not forgotten, you wee wrangling bastard. And he says, I'll leave you to your thoughts to play with your dagger. I, um, as he's, like, heading out, I raise my hip flask as well, and I, I say the same thing as him, and I say it in Dwarvish. He looks back, he's like, you sly bastard. You didn't tell me you spoke Dwarvish. It's all right. I've been around the block a few times, picked a few things. Okay, well, that's the last time I talk about you behind your back. Right, as he... He opens your flaps in a non-sexual sense. You see the wind come rolling in as he steps out into the night. And one of those kind of episodes. It's one of those, what the kill? As he heads out into the uh, darkness, he's swallowed by the abyss of night. As you all spend a somewhat restful evening, other than the dulcet tones of Arasobulus singing himself to sleep, uh, is there anything any of you would like to do in the night as everyone sleeps? I'd like to um, use my whetstone and give my, my blade to sharpen. It's like, I'm, I'm frustrated that more made me look like a fool. And, just, <laughs> and I, I kind of look at myself in, like, in my weapons like, you son of a hate, you son of a bitch. You let us down today! Oh, gosh, is such a fucking villain. <laughs> Evil You're a bitch! You're a bitch! Belthiar, you're sharing a tent with Hanash as you try and sleep your head under the pillow as you hear a ching, 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 ching. As you wake up and roll over in the middle of the night, you see the green skin stripped to the waist 
uh, oiled up. He's oiled himself up, his muscles rippling. As you just see him sharpening with a whetstone his blade. As you look over, he's even sharpening the piece of metal <laughs> sticking inside of his head. It's just, it's just <laughs> gleaming. <laughs> what the fuck, move? I fuck. <laughs> As you close an eye and try and go back to sleep. There's just gleaming moonlight everywhere. <laughs> And with that, you're all rudely kicked awake by dwarfs as they uh, tell you that there's no time to waste as you're up early. A um, crude breakfast of fruit from the apple tree and millet grain, which has been turned into a porridge, which is fortifying but not tasty. I spend five minutes looking for the field kitchen. Make make me a investigation check. I mean, it's even a check if, if I already know the outcome. (laughs) <laughs> okay, 12. 12. As you look around, looking everywhere, you look desperately for the field kitchen as you see a pile of planks erected over the top of uh, some barrels, small barrels that have been on the side of the donkey. As you make your way over to the field kitchen, you kneel down in front of it, look at it, looking for provisions as you realize you've reached the latrine. Teeny tiny dwarf shits. Like cocktail sausages, just in a pristine little kind of pyramid. Such good kind of builders. I think it, I like to think about that roll like a five, but ooh, with cocktail sausages. Who would leave this here? And <laughs> I'm, I'm just sad. Okay, as the as you sit there sadly, Barbara walks up, looks at you, sniffs the pile of shit, and turns around, shaking her head at you. As the dwarfs pull apart, they're tent village, pack it back up, putting it back in parts on the donkey and carrying it on their own backs as they kick out the remains of the fire, do what they can to hide it under snow, and then quickly chop down the apple tree <laughs> that erected it out of their cans. Doesn't it disappear after a certain amount of time? Uh, yes, the magic uh, stuff does. Ah, uh, okay. Chopping down the apple tree, they keep as much firewood as they can and then hide the rest of it somewhere under the igloo drift <laughs> that Hanash created, hiding the bodies of the dead animals. As you see Martin the mouse waving tearily goodbye to you as you all set off back across the um, crystal and tundra, heading long into the day in the distance, finally seeing smoke rising across the horizon as you get nearer. Everybody brings in a deep sigh as you realize what you're looking at is Pale Bank Village. As you come closer, you can see a lot of smoke rising from the edge of the village. And that is where we're going to get a drinks break. When did this objective, when was this objective set? Was this a year ago? What, well, Pale Bank Village was literally episode five or something <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I hope you're right in Elro Aldatar, guy that That's we need. Elro Aldatar. Yeah. Uh, McBeanie gave you a letter to give to Elro Aldatar about 400 fucking years ago. <laughs> the village probably would have when been in that? one week. Oh, long before you'd ever even heard of me. Long before some algorithm dating app had ever Yeah, this was in your pre AJ life. Yeah, exactly. This was BC before Chanel. Oh, As okay. it all, It all kind of. Um, came together in an episode where they embroiled themselves in an underground crime syndicate and as the first job in order to upgrade themselves onto a better level of platinum card was to take a letter out of the continent they dicked about for fucking years 
And now they've discovered that the village that they were supposed to harm, harmlessly take a, a message to has burned down. You know what? The village might have been in good nick if you'd actually gone to it in good time. Hey, we had fucking all Tartarus to get. We had a whole civilization to save. It's not our fault. Yeah, but you haven't saved them, have you? You've still got the bloody orbs. I mean, it's not our fault that they turned out to be abusive, molestive dickheads. What are we gonna do with these orbs? I feel like we should. I feel like we could like maybe like summon a dragon that could give us three wishes. I feel like at some when I get around to using my tinker's tools, I'm gonna find a way to make an explosive arrow with the dynamite that I've got left. And I'm also gonna. Really? I'm also gonna try and uh, see if I can affix an orb of Tartarus to an arrow. Well, I thought you were gonna say we're gonna blow up the orbs. I bet that makes a big kaboom. Could do. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Who the dickens knows? Right. Maybe Is we can all get, get the balls and like um, like Asus like on the bowling thing. We all like we all like spin our balls and maybe something will happen. <laughs> we'll have like a big Lebowski. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I'm done. Sorry, take a leak off. Right, so picking back up from where we left off, uh, you arrive on the periphery of Pale Bank Village, which is a coastal village. Uh, you're aware that it's a fishing village at the very top of the Graying Wildlands, almost the last bastion of life, as far north as you can go on this blasted continent. <clears throat> as you approach it, you see the grey, thick smoke rising up from um, the remains of what's left of the village. The closer you get, you see the fortifications and pal- palisades around the outside of it are, are knocked down and on fire. The occasional watchtower that have been erected out of logs, slightly strewn to one side. And a lot of the um, structures you can see are, are currently charred and burning embers. What did, um, do we not remember what the note says that we were bringing here, what the letter says? It was just steel. It was a sealed letter. We did, we definitely opened it, though, didn't we? I, I feel like I remember as, as like I don't think we did to be fair. I don't think you did to be fair. I think we um I think we left it. I think if it was if it had a seal on it, then we probably we had a wax seal. McBeanie had a finger ring and had used it to put a wax seal on it, and uh, had told you to take it to Elro Aldator, who was the leader of or the the de facto leader of Pale Bank Village. Okay. Well, that was a very many, many, many months ago now. Right, we get it. We've had shit to do. Um, we'll get around to that bottomless brunch at some point. Um, so, how far away from the village are we? Can we can we tell based on the based on the smoke that's rising? You're fifty meters odd. Oh, okay. Um, is there any? Is it like flat plains around here, or is there like? Is there yeah, like? It's all, it's all flat. You can see the mountains off to your right hand side, I believe. But, are, we, uh, are we like right in front of like the front gate? I guess then. Uh, you're heading in that way, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, as much as there's a gate, there's now just um, very large holes okay. in uh, the palisade that goes around the outside. The kind of log wall with spikes on it that once served as a rudimentary defense is now basically all in disarray. <clears throat> I whistle to myself, like, just say, "What a dump." As you come nearer, as you approach nearer, the dwarfs very guarded at this point. You <clears throat> see a cart strewn on one side, one of the wheels snapped off, with all of the produce spilled over onto the side, the crates having burst open, pouring out onto the ground, but they are long decayed um, and somewhat rotten uh, and now slightly covered in snow. As you see the body of a um, elf, 
with two arrows in his shoulder blades. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn around to these guys and just say, um, eyes up, keep a keep a lookout on on what's around us, because I have a feeling shit's about to go down. Um, can I go over to the elf and investigate his body and the arrows as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, make me a. I suppose a, a, an investigation check. Are you looking for anything in particular, or are you just checking his body? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, if there's two arrows in him, it seems fairly obvious how he died. Um, <laughs> yes. Why did he eat all this moldy fruit? What a fucking idiot! <laughs> just clas- clasping his stomach. And why did he? Why did? Why did he stab himself in the shoulder twice and then put those arrows in just to just to taste that tasty blood? Um, I guess. Um, just to just to see if he was a, I guess maybe if he was like a local of Pale Bank Village, or if he was someone that travelled here, um, mm-hmm. if he was like a trader or something like that, or if he's come from further away. Make me a perception check. Perception check. Okay. Yes. Uh, Seventeen. Seventeen. Well, you know roughly that the composition of Pale Bank Village includes elves as much as it includes dwarfs. Uh, you assume that he's probably a trader. Uh, looking at the types of decayed wares he had, it's unlikely that this fruit came from the village. There's very few fruit. You've only seen one fruit tree in recent times, and it grew between Hanash's legs. Um, so you imagine he was a trader who would either come to trade or was heading back uh, with his pockets full of cash. The arrows, are they familiar? Yes. Uh, for the sake of storyline, you recognise them as no mesh arrows. Okay, I'll take them out, take them both. Just, um, I'm not like putting them in my quiver. I'm just like putting them in my backpack. I was going to say, as you pick them up, you notice that the the shafts have been compromised. Name of the episode: the <laughs> shafts have been compromised. <laughs> um, as uh, once used, arrows are not always totally reusable. No, um, I'm, I'm more taking them so that I can investigate how they're how they're how they're making them and how we'll be able to distinguish them from other arrows, I guess. Uh, I mean, making a bit of a meal of it, you, you've got half stumps of fingers and one little finger. Wrapping your little finger around the arrow and wedging two boots on, you lift, you hoik the arrows out of the back of the elf. He rises slightly and then slumps back down into the snow. The word familiar always reminds me of what we do in the shadows. I, I guess um, I'm just keeping an eye on the immediate surroundings, just to see if, just to see if there's any kind of like. I guess I've, I guess I've kind of got like my. Um, I'm trying to like put my old training to use and see where there's like spots of cover in like right in the center of this village where we are. Uh, yeah, you're only on the periphery of the village, but yes, you've already attuned yourself looking around for footprints, etc. but you realize that this guy's been dead for a little while and any kind of footprints would have been blown away by snowstorms, etc., etc., etc. Balsia, what are you doing? Give me I, I, I don't think I've said that much, but I, I just say to, I, I finish up to, to Tavistock just saying, and that's basically how I ended up here. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Tavistock's weeping at this point. Yeah, just, just Tavistock's weeping. Hard to tell whether it's about JPEF or um, whether it's about your beautiful life story. It's like uh, the story of Benjamin Button, right? So, yes, what are you? What are you doing in all of this? Other than are we? So, is this 
For some reason, in my head, this village is near the sea, but that might just be... It's a fishing village, yes. It's, it's a fishing village. Okay. Okay. Northernmost point of the continent. Um, Can we go to a seafood restaurant, please? Yeah, there are, there are Harry Ramsons. Absolutely, yeah. Barry Ramsons. Once, uh, <laughs> once, once you check in at this beautiful... Airbnb village. Uh, right, Maud, what are you doing? Um, I am checking out the local um, shops. That would be hard. Well. We haven't made it into the village yet. Oh, Has have we not? Your... No. Bloody... <laughs> Good to see you're engaged. As you've made it within, I can't know, you're about 20 feet from the burnt down front gates of the village, the, the, the sharpened spiked logs that made up the outer wall had tumbled down, uh-huh. smoke pouring out of houses on the inside, and obviously the wrecked trading cart full of desiccated goods. Yep, that's fine. Um, how many guards are there? Are there any guards? No? Nothing. I mean, no particular life that you can see other than the poor elf with two arrows sticking out of his shoulder. Oh, I'd like to go in there. Fuck it. Everyone else being cautious, Maud strolls forward. Fuck it. Everyone to... YOLO. <laughs> Leading by the front, a blue streak across the white powdery snow, Maud bursts onto the scene, much like a young PJ and Duncan, making <laughs> a ginormous impact as she comes through the front gate. Looking around, you see nothing but disarray. Um, scattered buildings all around you you've basically, imagine it was a square almost but turned as a diamond, you've reached the point at the bottom, if you can imagine why not just describe it as a fucking diamond I'm such a retard um, like a diamond you've reached the point at the bottom, uh, looking around there's a myriad of houses in front of you of varying scales, one looking like a burnt down tavern, uh, one looking more like a trading post and several looking like domestic houses a watchtower to the west and the east, <clears throat> one of which is standing and one has fallen. And as you look around in the snow, you can make out the dark forms of many, many dead bodies. This was a massacre. Dun, dun, dun. Kathy is gonna um, follow Maud in with Barbara, um, and he's kind of thinking back to like the tactics that, that Skull used to use. Um, and he is basically looking for what's right in the center of that that like diamond. If mm-hmm. there's like a if there's like a clearing, because he's assuming that he will have literally like dragged all the bodies there and burned them. It's, it's, it's a fairly large. So so basically, as you're taking all of this in, Tatty, using your knowledge of Skull. Um, the glass blades are now inside the city, many of them clearly shocked by the, the, the deaths, many of them knowing friends and family who had who lived here. <clears throat> this, is a, this is an absolute massacre uh, on a scale unprecedented in this part of the continent. Many of them are shocked and saddened, many of them crouched by bodies of dwarfs, various lots of bodies of dwarfs, the occasional elf and a very occasional gnome. Um lots of people turning over the bodies to try and look at the faces to see whether they recognise people as, as you talk to Tavistock you realise that um, this is a complete massacre that there should be about 600 people who live in this village by the sea and as you can see at this point there's no signs of life at the centre of the village some several hundred feet in front of you you see the still standing but slightly smouldering um, town hall. I'd like to go in. I'd like to go and 
and see what's left of the town hall. I'm looking for people who are still alive or hiding. As you go to keep walking forward, someone grabs onto your wrist as the meaty sausage-like fingers of uh, Tavistock hold you back as they're like, as he says, would you not like to show a little bit more regard to safety? Whoever killed all these people is going to make short work of you if you head off on your own. Nah, fuck off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Listen, lovey, I know there's no love lost between us. I'm still trying to get over the fact I shit my pants over that cliff. But seriously, you don't want to be going in there alone. At least take one of your fucking friends with you. I am. Um, I'm literally like wandering up to like side by side with Maud at this point, and I'm just like, let's go check it out. Guys, you friends of me to make XP. <laughs> investigate, investigate. Come on, Chris has already got XP for growing a fucking like fruit tree out of his crotch. <laughs> um, yes, as you walk into the center of the village i mean it is more just disarray this was this was a scorched earth policy this was, there were no tactics here that we used other than extreme prejudice and violence uh, a lot of the buildings are pocked with arrows or a lot of the bodies are are pocked with arrows and left to be frozen no one has been given a formal burial in this place as you make your way deeper in passing the tumble down shacks of various domestic dwellings um, you see off in the distance the edge of the harbour. This being a coastal town, you see the clear blue waters of the uh, cold Arctic, or whatever passes as the Arctic at this end of the continent. See, um, and the various paraphernalia of quayside and fishing boats, some of which are half sunk. The the, the uh, quayside looking in pretty in pretty poor disarray. As you make it to the edge of the um, Town Hall, which is a three-story building on a kind of cross, if you will, with sort of four projections coming out north, east, south, and west. Um, as you see the double doors at the base, uh, one hanging off its hinge. I'm gonna, as I'm kind of walking up there with Maud, I'm gonna like, as the, did you say like one one half of the door is essentially just like gone? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna like point in one direction for her to go and I'll go the other direction. We'll, we'll fucking swap team it. What I call a duty. Uh, right, both of you make me perception checks. Perception. Eleven. Oh, I'm sorry. I always have problems finding perception. There we are. Oh, seven. Seven. Maud is, is just... It's like she's on holiday. Like, she's just taking it all in. She is loving it. She's looking for the H&M. Uh, it's not really a great deal. What you do notice between you is you're both quite tense at this point, not that you'd know it from Maud's face currently. As you do look down, you see drag marks in the snow. You see everything heads towards... Um, everything heads towards the double doors, all the marks on the ground in the snow. As what at first is pink turns to red, as you see um, smears of blood coming from various directions, all heading, pointing to the door of the city hall. The door Ooh. that they came through, or another door? The, the door that they're outside, they haven't gone through it yet. Okay, so is it like the, is it like drag marks from outside to the door? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm going to follow the, I'm going to keep an eye on the, on the tracks on the ground and see where they go once they get to the door, on the inside, I mean. Um, 
So as you reach the double door with the track marks coming in, Maud, where are you at this point? No, I'm standing behind Tatty. Okay, as both of you come back in, you both look back over your shoulder and you see maybe some 50 metres away, the rest of the party all aligned in, in attacking order, looking around, keeping their eyes on pivots, waiting for the attack which is coming. As you come closer to the double doors, the, the drag marks and the blood on the floor becoming more and more pronounced as the stench of almost a charnel house of, of slaughter uh, appears in the air in front of you, getting hard to breathe. What's the layout of this this room? Did you say it was on like three floors? Yeah, it's on three floors. You've come in through an entrance. As you, you come in uh, into what would be the reception of the council... <laughs> The visitors' center. <laughs> like a little model of the town and some. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. In like full-on parks and recreation vibe. <laughs> <laughs> but they um, have modified it for what it looks like now. Yeah. You just see a receptionist in a floral dress sitting on the head. Hi, how can I help you with this massacre? Oh. Um, as you walk in you smell the stench of death as you look over at um, the reception desk where there would normally be somebody sitting yes if, if everything's a bit singed does it not just smell of bacon make me a perception jack is it barbecue maybe bacon burnt black oh, no. Oof. Bacon. 17 17 it could be tasty I mean it's fried meat at the end of the day as uh, as as you look over to one side, you see a bank of chairs in the waiting room. There is, uh, they've been piled on top of each other in a bonfire-esque thing, and you see a number of blackened bodies burned down to the skeletal remains of char, as maybe the bodies of 10 or 15 people have been thrown onto a pyre made out of chairs. And as you look over at the desk in front of you, uh, you see a figure who's had both of their hands nailed down to the desk and their bowels have been split at the back so that their innards have trickled down over their knees and uh, are now collected on the floor around their boots. And they've turned, they've gone from being pink and, you know, it's now gone to grey and kind of disgusting and flaccid. Flaccid. Don't snigger at the word flaccid. People like here, people. Would I be able to... <laughs> would I be able to... Um, would I be able to have a nice meal now? Uh, would I be able to investigate the body and, and see if I can find out how long ago they were killed? Or how long ago they died? Uh, yes. Um, yeah. If you've got something in mind, make me an investigation check, I suppose, if you're doing something very specific. Yeah, I'm more... It's the it's the manner in which they were killed that's thrown me off a little bit. Ooh. I guess um, I guess I always I always imagined I always thought of Scarl and, and like the 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 unit that I was part of being like super focused on like um, objectives and stuff. So like when they killed people, it would be like two shots to the shoulders or like one headshot or something like that so this kind of death like really like makes me think twice a little oh, bit you think they're being framed i don't know um I, I, I still think based on the kind of person that he was that this could have been just like a 
um, his his character, his personality might have changed a little bit as he's gone a little bit a little bit more power mad. Um, Maybe it's a collab. Could be could be him and a serial killer. Like Boris. Boris used to be harmless and fun, and now look at him. <laughs> now look at him. He teamed up with Dominic Cummings, and now he's a piece of shit. Nice. Um, okay. Yep. Investigate the body. Yep. Go for it. Eighteen. 18 getting right up in there you look at the rigor mortis um screen body that is attached to the desk looking you see it's with uh two carpentry nails which have been hammered through the backs of the palms of the hand onto the flat of the desk to pin them into place as you see the decayed rictus grin on their face almost looking like they were laughing, but obviously that's just rigor mortis. Uh, and then the slash across their stomach, which is across their knees. As you look at it, you would imagine um, from your rudimentary understanding, it's probably been about a week or so, something like that. Based on where they're sat and where they're facing, mm. do, I, do I get the impression that they were forced to sit and watch something? Uh, there's a ledger book in front of them, which is with blood. You would imagine that's where they probably sat after their job. Okay. We're going to pause there for momentarily. Panning back to Hanash and Belsier and Aristobulus, what the hell are you guys doing? Are there any like dwarves near me? Yeah, absolutely. You're surrounded. It's like it's like um, Snow White. You're exactly Snow Green. Yes. Uh, I think, can I ask the dwarves if, there, if there's any like hidden like caves like off the shoreline or anywhere like someone would like maybe any survivors might hide in such an attack uh, one of the dwarfs you just collar a random dwarf it's not racist you just can't tell the difference between them as you just uh, walk over to a random dwarf cuff him by the ear pull him over to you and obviously ask him he looks up at you and because all dwarfs are Scottish in this fantasy world he says well, I mean, it's not like it's a fucking tourist town, my friend, but there is a graveyard over there with a church. Uh, and he points over to the east side. Within the city walls? Within the, within the perimeter of the village. He's like, I suppose if I was going to fucking do anything, I'd barricade myself in the fucking church. That's it. Okay. I need to come and I throw him an apple, and then I... He touches <laughs> it, looks at it, and he's like, fuck that shit, and tosses it back to you. I give him one of these. Uh, for the audience, I winked and... <laughs> finger gun, yeah. And then I like swagger over to the church. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll go check out the church. Interesting. Who's babysitting Aristobulus? Uh, I was going to say um, Aristobulus is going to is going to wander into the the doorway of the town hall, and he's just going to like stare at probably stare at the person who's been nailed to the to the visitor's desk essentially he's just gonna go oh fucking hell um and then he's just gonna like wander over to where he's probably gonna wander over to Maud and see how she's doing we got like communication from an alien it's always Matt any kind of extra I assumed it was me but I don't know it stopped (laughs) there if you've forgotten to unplug your fax machine. Uh, <laughs> right, so, yes, Aristobulus wandering into the visitor's centre as he's, like, playing a small tune on his flute. He's literally just playing a, like... Uh, 
They're literally like just like the the uh, record scratch as he gets into the visitor center and sees the dead body like that. As he literally stopped, he's like, "Oh fuck me! There's no need for that." I mean, mediation can sort a lot of things out, but seriously, like, there's no need to fucking ruin a perfectly good seat like that. Um, as he looks at the pile of chairs, he walks up and picks up one of the bodies. He's like, oh, fuck me, these were children. He looks at them again. To be fair, they might have been dwarfs. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> They're very small, whoever they are. It's, uh, oh, this is a fucking travesty. Smells good, though. Right. Belsiar, I don't worry, flitting around all over the place. Belsiar and Hanashi are walking now towards the church. Around the perimeter of it is a chain, uh, yeah, is a metal spiked uh, railings that go all the way round with a low stone wall on the inside are loads of um, gravestones and then at the back the the looming wooden visage of the um, church for the village can I do a little little bit of magic um, and use detect thoughts on the uh, on the church see if anyone's in there what's the range of that 30 feet I would say yep 30 feet give or take yeah if you make it up to the edge of the railing as you lean over the railing putting your chin onto the between two spikes <laughs> to the spike like <laughs> looking in your eye cast over the toes your eyes cast over the snow top gravestone some of which are a bit tumbled down as you look on at the wooden shape of the um Church at the back, yeah. As you, do you have to do anything in particular, or do you just detect? No, just um, well. Oh, we've done this before, haven't we? So as you, yes, I remember you did it with a tabaxi. So, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. another favourite Welsh. Don't do the Welsh tabaxi. <laughs> oh come on! What the hell am I doing here? Boyo, that's uh, I think you have to be able to see the creature according to the rules here. If I'm trying to probe thoughts, but I can detect the presence of thinking creatures that I can't see. Oh, yeah. You can also use a spell to detect the presence of thinking creatures you can't see when the spell is cast the extra generation. You can search the thoughts. Spell can a rock or a thin sheet of flower. You can't detect radar mode. <laughs> So, yes. As you reach out with your powers of thought, reaching out over the graveyard towards the building in front of you, ice suddenly rises up your spine as you suddenly feel the fear of something inside that building. Oh, fuck. Who said Hanash? Oh, fuck. You shit yourself again? <laughs> no, no, but I'm about to. There's something in the church. What, what is it? Um, the th- it was a Welsh fear. <laughs> Oh, shit. oh, bloody hell! <laughs> oh, bloody hell. Via Bombay. Alright, Boyo. No need to be racist. <laughs> That's a fucking terrible word. When I grow up, I'd like to be a big name DJ. Like Scooter. Is this the phrase that you have to say to get yourself into a Welsh form? Scooter. <laughs> <laughs> Boyo. Oh, well, aren't we fucked? Right. Um. Uh, yeah, you feel a fear, like a dread come over you. Obviously unplaced to individual thoughts, but you are aware of a considerable degree of fear um, coming from the church as you and Hanash stand at the edge of the gates, um, a small detachment of dwarfs behind you. Can I pick out, Thurka, can I pick out anything anything more or is it more just a, 
It's just um, a vague sense of dread and fear. Am I a full blood methodoid, uh, or am I just yeah, Troy? Oh, there we go. There's your there's your um, there's your starter at the next generation reference. There, yes. Um, as you grow older, you get more horny. So once, once there's a full on next generation reference for you. Uh, like the opposite of the menopause. No, hang on, back. <laughs> Let's not make menopausal jokes. Right. Let's. What are you doing? Are you guys going to engage with that or what? I want to ask uh, Belsal if he thinks we should like proceed or not. You guys can can by all means go ahead. I'll be at the back with you in front, but I, I fully support you in anything you do from from behind. <laughs> I'm not feeling any confidence. Either you're scared or you're going to rape me. I'm not sure <laughs> what it is. Well, either way, you should be scared. <laughs> that doesn't help. I've been hurt twice in this game already. Okay, I'm not going to make it. Uh, right, what are you doing? Uh, okay, I'm going to proceed. Uh, we, we, we've got quite a few of us there. We've is got there the, a, the dwarves with us, right? Is there a gate? Yeah, you've got three dwarves with you. Is there, can we access the area? Are we going to have to like, jump over or is there a gate that's... You, know? uh, you look to the left-hand side, you see that there is a gated entrance to the cemetery. It's a bit... It's hardly held together by anything that would would hold you back. Um, I mean, it, this cemetery was not designed to be fortified. It's designed to, you know, honour the dead. So you push your way through the gate, make your way into the, the, the entrance way to the cemetery. As you do, I'd like you to both make me perception checks, please. 16. 7. As Hamash bundles in, throwing the gate to one side, stomping <laughs> forward, you... Um, Belsi, uh, grab him and throw him down behind a gravestone, pointing directly forwards. You show him in front of you several dark clad figures uh, on the perimeter of the church. Anash, when I talked about the evil wizard earlier, I was making it all up, but now I don't know who those guys are. <laughs> evil wizards! As the dwarfs fall in behind the initial line of gravestones with you, you look over peeking between gaps in the gravestones and round the side, and you see two fairly nefarious-looking dark-clad people, not really making any effort to blend into the snow particularly, um, outside um, the doors to the side of the church, the side entrance to the church, uh, talking to each other in clearly in, in whispered tones. And at that point, we're going to pan back to Tatty and Maud, who are currently in Aristobulus, I suppose, who are currently in the entranceway to the town hall with nail hands and crispy dwarfs. I, I would like to um, would like to stage a whisper to Tatty mm -hmm. because obviously I've seen nail hands and my perception is quite low. Um, so I'd like to stage a whisper to Tatty. What the fuck is going on? And why does everything smell of bacon? Um, I just kind of shrug off the, the, the chat about bacon. Um, but you're hungry, though, aren't you? I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm obviously hungry. I'm. I'm awake, and it's a day ending. And why? I'm obviously hungry. <laughs> um, I say. I think. I think these. At least this guy, and I point to nail hands. I say this guy looks like he died. he was killed about a week ago. Oh. And then I and then I just start like almost stream of consciousness like talk like thinking out loud. Um 
like, I, I don't, this doesn't look like something that Skarl and those guys would do, just like killing people for no reason. Like, the only reason why Skarl would kill some, kill people or like kill on this scale is if he wanted something here, um, which makes me think that either they got something from this village and moved on, or they're still here for some reason. We look for, um, if you don't think that Skylar's done this, can we look for signs, like telltale signs? Because only you would know the telltale signs of what a massacre by Skylar looks like. I am fairly convinced by, uh, did you say that they'd been, did you say that like of the bodies that we'd seen throughout the, throughout the village, it looked like most of them had been killed by arrows, mm. Some of them had been like set on fire, essentially. Mm, both of those things, yes. Yeah, I say I'm I'm fairly convinced that this was this was him or the people that he's leading, essentially. Oh. Um, Interesting. I um, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk back to the double doors. Yep. Um, and if there's a if there's a dwarf outside, like one of the glass blades, um. I'm gonna say what what other um, other than like people's homes, what other buildings were in this village? I mean, as you look around the village, there are um, clearly varying um, types of building. I mean, like I said, there's a burnt down tavern quite clearly because you can see the bloody sign hanging over the door which is just about hanging on by one hinge obviously a load of domestic things off to one side you can sort of see fishing related uh, huts um, mostly domestic to be fair the town hall stands apart as a feature in the middle of the village or the village hall whatever you want to call it and the church um, off to the eastern quarter um, is the tavern closer to the town hall or the church one second. Is the tavern open for business? Doing a lovely hog roast. I hear that bacon is divine, chef's kiss. Uh, the tavern would be uh, closer back towards the entrance where you came from. You've had to walk reasonably close past the tavern on the way to the town hall then. Okay. Um, I guess would the... Other than the town hall, the church would kind of be the, the, the biggest building that, like, sticks out the most. Yeah, the town hall and church are the biggest buildings. The tavern's not small, but obviously distinguishable by uh, the various seating that's outside it, etc. Is, is there... I know all the people are dead in the tavern, but is there any food? Oh, hey. the, town, the town hall, you mean. Oh, sorry. By the way, you've only just made it into the reception area of the town hall. <laughs> I know. Oh, no. <laughs> right, okay, just go to the tavern. Why are we wasting time in the town hall? Okay, I'll write all these storylines. Literally, I'm in here. Right. Uh, yes. Just mute everyone and don't let us say anything. <laughs> I'm gonna. We want beer. We want beer. <laughs> I um, just, I'm just kind of assuming that if we've if we walk past the tavern and someone was in it, they would have seen us by now. Anyway. Um, 
you try to figure out how to get to the church without metagaming. No, not, not really. <laughs> my, my brain is my brain is saying if they were if they'd occupied this place, there'd be some of them in the tavern, and they'd just be fucking drinking. Um, and my brain is my brain is trying to make the decision between going to the tavern and checking that out, or going over to the church as like the other like big recognizable building. Definitely tavern. Or the other two floors of the building you're already in. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna go back into the town hall and I wanna move forward from the reception bit into, like, the next area and check out the next floor, if that's, like, the next, the next bit of it. Moving beyond the reception area, you walk into, um, a wide corridor, which has various doors to the right, and you can see a flight of stairs at the end. I'll go up the stairs as I... Start you mean you have to walk past about three doors to do that. Yeah. As I um yeah, as I get to the stairs, I'm gonna start moving quietly. Make me a stealth check. Maud, what are you doing whilst he's doing this? Uh, I'm just going to go and investigate the tavern. Please. You guys have never seen a horror film, have you? You're putting <laughs> yourself across a dangerous fucking thing. All right. I think I don't want to go to the church. As... Churches are terrible in horror films. As Maud, uh, right, like Tatty, you press deeper in, not investigating anything, but walking further up the stairs. As Maud, you turn around and head towards the tavern. As you look across, you see Aristobulus cleaning the end of his flute with a burnt finger of a skeletal <laughs> remains. Brilliant. Um, I just want to, I just want to call this out right now because I got, a, I got a natural nineteen, so that's a twenty-seven for stealth. Okay, we'll get to you. Hold on. This is like Christmas for you guys, isn't it? Right. Maud stepping back over the crunchy snow, walking out of the blood-slicked uh, reception area. That's this finally being able to get a nice lung full of breath that isn't full of, like, death and charnel. As you walk back out into the brisk Arctic air, walking back the way you came, leaving crisp footprints in the snow, you make your way back to the edge of the tavern. As you see the double doors of the tavern and various... Uh, glass windows, some of which have been put through on the edge of the tavern and the smell of burnt something or the other coming out of it. Um, the tavern is called um, the Frozen Nymph. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, are the doors open or closed? Closed. Okay. Are they locked? You can try the lock if you want. As you make your way up to the lock, there's a clunking noise that echoes throughout the empty chamber inside. As you open the door, it swings in on its hinges with a Resounding echo. Right, I'd like to, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Hello! Into. Singed up tavern with. Hello, lovey! Hello! (laughs) Nothing much happens. You hear a groan from a dwarf further off, currently doing his best stealth around the village. Um, As. you make your way into the tavern. You look around, you see the rows of benches still with their mugs of ale on them. Uh, you see various bodies on the bar um, with arrows sticking out of them. You see the denizens dead at their tables where they were shot down uh, whilst there was some sort of party going on. You see a man holding a set of bagpipes pinned to the wall with an arrow through the bagpipes, clean into him and stuck him to uh, the edge of the stage. I would like to go beer surfing, so like, like what's left? Wait, it's not what not. Mine's sweeping. 
Might. Uh, Is that the northern version? Make me an investigation check. What did you call it? Mind sweeping. No. What did what did what did, what did she call it? She called it beer, beer surfing. surfing. Beer surfing. Beer surfing. Investigation. Mm. That's quite cool. I can get on board with that. Mm. Intelligence, charisma. Right, everyone. Intimidation, investigation. Seven. Seven. Uh, you go oh, around. You crap, oh. Sorry, I, I clicked intimidation by accident. I want to intimidate the beer into your mouth. Oh, sure. Sorry, hold on. Do That's how I do it. How do you do it? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Fourteen. I don't mind either of those. Fourteen. Oh. Going around, you pick up the first mug, you lift it to your lips. It's fucking freezing. The fire has gone out in the hearth a very long time ago. No one likes warm beer, though. It's freezing cold, but beer-like, uh, with a kind of sediment to it as you knock it back. Moving to the next one, you knock it back. It's got a fiery burn to it as it hits the back of your throat, some kind of liquor. Going to the third one, you take a swill. It's got a foul, coppery taste to it as you realise you've imbibed a considerable amount of blood from the person Ugh. who was shot next to it. Um, a rich, coppery taste now joining the burning sensation in the back of your throat. As you go round door, uh, as you go round um, mug to mug to mug with clearly no standards, slowly getting more half cut. We're going to quickly fly back to Hanash and Belsiar, who are hiding behind a set of gravestones, watching two masked hooded figures. Sorry, hooded figures, even not masked. Uh, about twenty odd, twenty five feet in front of them. Mm-hmm. Having watched them for a while, do we kind of are they like patrolling around? Do we kind of know like how they're kind of Watching them for about 10 minutes, you see them talking, you see them rubbing their hands together. Make me a perception check. Can I write one? Absolutely. Uh, 60. Oh, uh, 10. 10. So as you look at it, Hanash, you watch them. You actually perceive they're very short. They're either gnomes or they're dwarfs. Uh, they're considerably shorter now comparing them to the door in front of you you see that they're hooded figures as you see them rubbing their hands together in the cold as one of another one walks around the corner chats to them and one of them swaps out with them and walks back round uh, so you've now seen three in total you think one of them possibly just changed out on shift as you look over Belsiar has got distracted reading the um, name of the gravestone in front of him. As you rub away a patina of dirt and snow on the gravestone, you um, read the name uh, Samantha Stankweasel in front of you on the grave. The Stankweasels? Whoa! Can we hear anything of their their discussion? Um, That's a good point. Uh, can you hear anything of their discussion? Um, um, make me... Oh, that's a hard one. Where do we place that? Um, Maybe I'm going to do... Investigation? Okay. If it's like a specific... Yeah, I think it's investigation. Make me an investigation check. Okay. I was trying to talk myself in and out of that. Thank you. Investigation. Twenty. Twenty. They are whispering in low voices, but you can hear one of them basically barking orders. Um, This isn't a formal chit chat between people. This is a. um, This is two people uh, swapping orders. They're wearing. Are they like what? What they're wearing exactly? Like hoods and. Yeah, dark cowls, hoods covered over their heads. 
uh, of nondescript uh, dark pattern. I, I, I take my half disguise and I, I, I flip it around forcefully and I look at Hanash. I, uh, I, I nod, like, ferociously. Ferociously. What are you going to do? Get down on your knees and pretend to be a dwarf? Yeah, does, can... does disguise self let you change your height? No, you could be one foot one foot shorter. I could be a very tall dwarf. <laughs> you could be a very tall dwarf. Man, could he be a dwarf in a flasher map so that it looks like there are two dwarves? Two dwarves. Yeah, yeah. He's two or two and a half dwarves. I'm just yeah. some booze, just... lads. <laughs> Just draw an angry face on your dick and put a little beard on it. <laughs> um, Surely the like... dwarf next to you. As you look over, Tavistock has come and sat next to you behind the gravestone. Um, I mean, at this point, who, who are you trying to be like? Because you can just see two people in cows. These, these, these are small people, so I'm not Absolutely, really yeah. going to be able to... Mm-hmm. Nah, forget it, forget it. It's not going to work. Hanash looks disappointed, but... As both of you are there on the periphery of the church, looking at the two cowled figures who you've now established are either dwarfs or gnomes, and barking orders on patrol at each other, we're going to quickly leave Maud getting drunk in the... Um, in the bar <laughs> back to Barbara and Tati, who's now walked his way onto the middle floor of the... Uh, We've walked away onto the middle floor of the um, town hall, walked up the stairs. You see um, they're going north, goes north, south, east, west in a central atrium, and you see a large set of double doors in front of you. Do they look... Do they look like they've been torn apart like the rest of the village? They're, they're intact? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move forward and quietly just, like, push the push one of the doors open and, like, edge my way in. Pushing the door open a crack, you spy with your eye through the edge of the door. The smell hits you instantly as it literally is into your eyeballs as the light comes through one of the far windows and illuminates it. Pushing the door open further, you walk in and you just see... um, You see long trestle tables that are laid out at one end of this hall and many seats... Uh, this is like a municipal meeting room, if you will. Um, and you just see on the top table various bodies on chairs, all of which are dead. And as you inspect them, you see they've all been in some degree of torture. Some of them have had ears cut off. Some of them have had fingers cut off. Um, quite a few of them are missing fingernails, toenails. One of them's had their nose cut off. Uh, all of them are dead. Is there? Um, I guess I would probably have to go back through the double doors to get to this, but I'm looking for the stairs to get up to the top floor. I'm tr- I'm literally I'm looking for like the high ground in this in this village to see if there's a, a place where I can like get a good bird's eye view of everything. As you go to make your way out of the double doors, back out of the municipal meeting room and back uh, into the atrium, you hear a noise behind you. As you throw yourself behind a low set of chairs, you see two figures dragging in somebody else, placing them at the end of the table and um, pinning them down as a... They're very much being pulled under duress as you hear screams and howls from the person as the hooded figures kick and beat and tie them to the table. Um, 
And that is where we're going to leave this week's episode. <laughs> Deal with that. Why can't you guys ever do anything linearly? Why am I having to spread this out across three fucking locations? It wasn't really a linear choice there. It's obvious. It's obvious that they were all over the village. Just getting like horrendously drunk all on our own, (laughs) as is the way of her people. I was commemorating the the poor people who had died. I was celebrating their lives. I think we'll never. Well, that's all we can hope to achieve this week. It is good to be back. We hope you've enjoyed yourself as much as we have. If you have, why not consider hammering that subscribe button and never missing another episode again? Better yet, give us all the stars in a review on the podcasting platform of your choice. It really would put a smile on Chris's little face. You could also find us on Twitter at AdventurersANO1. So... That just leaves us time to say goodbye from Chanel, Chris, the other Chris, Matt and Lewis. Have yourself a great week out there, people. And remember, stay tipsy. Tipsy.